All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those guys. All right. So I'd like to introduce you guys to our two guests that are with us tonight. First, we have uh, Bryce Petty. Yo, I didn't even get, I didn't even finish. I didn't finish saying anything. 6'3", 230, went to Baylor University, drafted by the New York Jets, um, led the Baylor Bears to two Big 12 titles when I was in school. I owe a lot of good times to him. We, you know, uh, 61 to 58. I don't know if you remember that. I don't know if y'all were there, but, and, um, yeah, so I don't know what y'all have done when you were in college or what you've done in your life, but this is Bryce. And then, uh, in addition, we have Chris Womack with us. Yeah, that's right. Chris is six six two fifty, Um, and, uh, he has shrunk since then. Well, back in the day. And uh, yeah, we're just uh, glad to have Chris with us as well. Chris is, uh, a, was a worship pastor at First Woodway for 18 years here in Waco. And now he is a, a, a songwriter and he is and mentors. That's his job. That's all he does. And in fact, his uh, relationship with Bryce is very unique, which you will see tonight. It's, it's a very sweet relationship. And that's why we have them both here to share with us um, uh, not just what was going on when they were when Bryce was here at Baylor, but also what's continuing to go on still to this day. So, from from the bottom of my heart, thank each of you for being here. And so, is there anything y'all would say about each other that I missed that was like maybe important? Uh, uh well, careful. Yeah, yeah, I got. Yeah, I do have to be careful. Um. Well, I do know that a fun fact about Chris, Chris can actually do, um, so what do you, what, sorry, 62? 64. 64. Uh, Chris can do 64 push-ups. He does the amount, or I guess his age, that's how many push-ups he does every year, which I think is pretty sweet, right? Yeah, give a hand and fly. That's amazing. Now, that's, that's 64 all at one time. That's not a couple every day throughout Very the true. year. That's, Very true. On my birthday, I do that number plus one to grow on. Because of the balance necklace he has. There you go. Yeah. And I think, I think the most interesting thing I would say about Bryce, if you don't know it already, he's kind of a poster child for Lululemon. Hey, and, that's um, respect. So a lot of times it just even comes in the mail. He doesn't know it's going to arrive, but there it is. And then, uh, you know, they pay him to wear this kind of stuff. So I think that's pretty manly. And you're lying at chapel. Good deal. <laughs> hey, just... Uh, what would men's night be without starting with like a competition? Yeah, I introduced you to. Would love to have somebody uh, come up and let's do a quick arm wrestle. Who said that? No, yeah, okay, not him. Anybody else? Anybody think that you can win an arm wrestling contest? Anyone? This is against Chris, by the way. Oh, no, 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 I, no, no, yeah, no, no. Don't no, tell no. him that yet. All right, yeah, come on, you. Whoever, you're getting pointed at. Oh, dude, you got your All right, let's get everything out of the way. All right, here we go. You want to officiate this or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah I can officiate. Yeah, you have to. You're going up against him. Okay, this is Chris. Here we go. On the table, elbow, elbow. By the way, Bryce, nice to meet you. Oh, dude, you're in trouble. <laughs> All right, will you introduce yourself? Jim Threet. Jim Threet. Wait, wait. I introduced them. Oh, how tall are you? 6'5. Six, 6'5. Five. Six, five. Wow. Dude, he looks like he's had a beard since he was 12. Yes, this is amazing. Jim, right? Jim. All right, this is Chris. Be, be kind to him, please. <laughs> be kind. All right, let's see this. Hey, this side, you're supposed to, you know, actually cheer for Jim. This side, a little bit louder for Chris. 
Thank you, guys. All right. Three, two, one, go. Bryce, you want to give him a try? No. He's got the arm. He can't, you know, you know, you know how it is. Sorry. Jim, thanks for participating with us. He had me us. on height. He had me on height. That's what it is. That's, it was the height. height that did it. Let's give a round of applause for Jim, just for Thank being you, the man. Are you good? Oh, man. All right. So, uh, as I alluded to, these two have a unique story. And so, I'd love to just, uh, Chris, start with you and sharing with us how did y'all meet and uh, just tell us a little bit about y'all's uh, friendship, relationship, discipleship, mentorship. You know, there's Christian buzzwords that yeah. we could yeah, use. Exactly. Just take it away. Um, you know, there really is such a, a, a deal as a God thing. And I think that was what sparked the relationship that I have with Bryce. Probably 15, 16 years ago, I had had a ministry with guys on the football team and I had uh, mentored a couple of quarterbacks, mentored a uh, wide receiver and, uh, and then things kind of changed a little bit. A new coaching staff came in. They got their own chaplain. Um, I lost touch with really anybody on the team at all. And then about 10 years went by, and I ran into a couple of these guys that I had mentored from the team at an anniversary party up in Dallas. And they said, uh, they said we're praying for God to give you a ministry on the Baylor football team again. And I said, well, guys, that's not going to happen. I don't, I don't know anybody. It's a completely different system. And they said, oh, yeah, it's going to happen because we're praying for it to happen. Three days later, I got a text from a buddy of mine who uh, was a professional baseball player. He said, uh, Chris, I ran into a guy at the gym today in Midlothian, Baylor football player. Um, He needs somebody to walk through life with him, and I would like you to do it. So I said, well, give him my number. And three days later, this guy and I were sitting at Common Grounds talking about life, and the first thing I really remember you ever saying to me, and I remember very distinctly, you looked at me and said, Mr. Womack, my life is messed up, and I need some help. And so I kind of said, okay, well, I've got a plan for that. And um, we started meeting twice a week, did that uh, just the two of us for about a year and a half, almost two years, and then Bryce started bringing some other guys from the team into our time together. Um, it has stayed that way ever since. I, I text Bryce every single day uh, without fail, and that is how God has kept our relationship together for all these years, which has been a real honor for me. So. Yeah, yeah uh, so that's kind of the mentor side of it, uh, the mentee side of it. Uh, yeah, and, and just to allude um, kind of back to or go back track a little bit to what he was saying. So I, I worked out with a, a, a guy in Midlothian. Um, and so for the life of me, I still couldn't to this day tell you why I said, you know, because we went to breakfast that, that morning and he said, you know, how are, how's your faith? Which is a a question that, um, has a lot of depth to it. But at the same time, as, as a man, you want to seem like everything's okay. Right. And, and for the, like I said, for the life of me, I can't, uh, understand why this particular day I said, you know what, it's, it's not doing well. Um, and. So to think back at what that answer um, reversed, if I'd have just said, yeah, it's fine, we would have probably never met, wouldn't be up here, who knows, man. Um, and so it's, it's just really cool how, um, you know, as a guy being humble enough to say, you know what, there's things that aren't right in my life, um, which if any of you guys know me, um, my biggest 
thing that I deal with is, is kind of being what you would call a golden retriever, right? Like I just, I want everybody to like me. Um, I want everybody to think that I have everything under control. Um, and so there was really this, there was this internal battle that I had with myself of, you know, who I was on the outside versus who I was on the inside. And so when I said, you know, Chris, my life is messed up, that was kind of the, the inside of me finally just, um, you know, laying down and being like, man, I can't do this anymore. I can't fake this life anymore that, it, that I want people to think that I have when in actuality I don't have that life at all. And the, the interesting thing about that from my perspective is that, that that moment of honesty was then kind of backtracked a little bit because there was that moment where, where Bryce was really open and, and just bearing his soul and saying, you know, I, I need somebody to help me with some of these issues. And then, I don't know if you realize kind of what you had done, <laughs> but, but then he sort of backtracked a little bit, and I, and I became very aware after a few months that we were back on a surfacey kind of relationship again, and it wasn't that sense of honesty and desperation that I had seen in Bryce the very first time I met. And, and I remember just praying one day and saying, God, I need my relationship with Bryce to get to a deeper level, otherwise it's not going to do what you want it to do. And uh, God gave me some instructions on how to make that happen. And, and I followed the instructions. And, and Bryce immediately looked at me and said, our relationship just went to a whole deeper level. <laughs> and so yeah, that, was, that was a great experience for me. Yeah, we, we can't say what that was. But um, let's just say I made myself very real and vulnerable as well. awesome. I almost kind of want to say it. No, no, no. Okay. no. <laughs> We're not going to say it. But, um, yeah, and, and going back, you know, you guys are at, at a, a, a pivotal time right now to where you guys are, um, you know, you have left the nest, if you will, of your parents' um, routine, right? Like, so my routine, when I grew up, um, I had, my mom was a youth minister. So first through ninth grade, we were at every church potluck and, and uh, Wednesday night, Monday night, Sunday night. It was awful, right? And so... <laughs> Um, that's where I kind of developed this. This is what my life should look like. Um, and so it, it's, it's, it's a really cool period for you guys to be able to, to understand and learn, you know, what your parents had kind of set forth for you and then, you know, what this life looks like for yourself away from them. Um, and so that's, uh, why I would kind of just with this first question, encourage you guys, um, you know, when you go home tonight or when you, when you pray or wake up in the morning, when you look at yourself, are you happy? Are you happy? Because truly that's what God intends for our life is for us to be happy. And, and as men, we're on this pass or fail cycle of, of, you know, through social media and everything else. It's, you know, did you get an A on a test? Did you get, you know, this promotion? Did you get this job that you're looking at? Um, did you get married? All this kind of stuff. And, what you guys have to realize and what it took me forever to realize is that we have a, a creator who came down in human form by the name of Jesus Christ who was that pass or fail for you guys and passed that test on the cross, rose so that you don't have to. You, you pass every test that you're in. And so that was, that was, it took me forever to figure out that I have already passed the test that was set out for me. And now it's just about living my life to glorify him and all that I do, if that makes sense at all. Absolutely. I think I would add, too, just so you understand the dynamic, Bryce has a, a great relationship with his dad, a fantastic relationship with his dad. So I wasn't coming in to sort of be a father figure. 
Um, that wasn't really what was needed in this situation. I was really just coming in to sort of walk alongside Bryce and try to help him along the way talk some things out about life because um, there there were some, some times where, you know, there was just a, that sense of brokenness about things going on in your life. And, and uh, to be able to be there and to be able to be uh, grace and mercy, uh, to be able to look at Bryce and say, it's okay, I love you. Um, we're going to get through this. We're going we're gonna to walk through this together. That was more the nature of our relationship than just Bryce needing kind of a, another father figure because you didn't need that. What, uh, Bryce, what do you think uh, made the discipleship relationship so unique? Why, why do you think, uh, other than honesty, there's obviously a, an honest communication and trust that was built. Why do you think that was uh, so unique between the two of you? Um, yeah, what, what drew you? Uh, well, I think there's a couple of things. I, say, I, I think the first thing is it doesn't take you long in a conversation with Chris to realize that that dude just, that, okay, so to go back, God is defined one time in the Bible. God is love. That's it. Um, you can shape it however you want to. You can put any other words. That that's all it is, is God is love. And when you walk that out, when you talk it, when you walk it, um, that is Christ-like. And it, like, okay, so now fast forward to what I was going to say is my man right here um, just exudes love. And, and so that was something that, that it just made it organic. It made it authentic. It was real. Um, and so it was very easy to talk to him away from football. And I think that kind of trickles into my next point is that, um, you know, a, a big part of me, I put my identity in football, right? It was like I was always Bryce, the football player. Um, and so if we're up on this stage, Chris can play those keys like, you know, John Legend. That's probably good. Well, that's, yeah. that's good. That's good. Uh, well, that'll do. You put him on a football field. Oh, man, <laughs> it's rough. So so there was this there was a connection there that I didn't have to be Bryce, the football player around him. I could just be I could be Bryce. You know, I could bring the things that I was struggling with. I could bring the things that, um, you know, I was doing really well with. Um, and, and there wasn't, I guess, this kind of underlying um, I don't know, like facade, I guess, that it, it, was only, it was only a relationship because of what I did on the field. Um, and yeah, I, think, I think consistency played into that because one of the things I stressed with Bryce, we first started uh, spending some time together. I said, if this is going to work, we've got to have some consistency in our relationship. And so we set up a program, so to speak, where um, we would meet for lunch once a week. Bryce would talk about life, kind of let him take control of whatever was going to be talked about during those times. And then he'd come over to our house and I would make the most amazing chocolate chip cookies on the planet. And, um, and we would have Bible study. And so that was kind of my time to pour into Bryce. So the thing that I would share with you is if, if you have a chance to be in a relationship like what Bryce and I get to experience, for me, it wasn't like I'm somebody older who's, who's had a relationship with Christ for a lot longer and learn some more things. It was, it was more about, okay, now how do I lay that down and be what Bryce Petty needs me to be at that moment? And again, not Bryce Petty, the football player, because you were third string to Robert Griffith. Griffith what's his name? Oh, my god. RG3. This is yeah. awesome. This is why I really this is my mentor. This is true. <laughs> I don't know much of it. And then, and then second string to Nick Florence. And, uh, and so I had never seen him snap the ball. And, I mean, he would come in and sit on our couch and go, Chris, trust me, I'm really a great football player. 
And then I would tell my wife about some of our conversations, and she would go, maybe you shouldn't encourage him. What if he's not any good? And uh, I'd be like, well, he says he's pretty good, but that's not really what we're talking about. We're just talking about life. And, and so I don't want to come across like I'm this guy and I'm, I'm pouring my heart into Bryce. It was very much a give and take where I felt like I was learning things in my walk with Bryce that I didn't know before, even though I had been mentoring uh, younger men since I was a senior in college. So there was a, there was a uniqueness to this relationship from my point of view as well, because I was learning things that I had never experienced before. And part of that was trust, just saying, okay, God, what, what does Bryce need to hear right now? Not what's in my program, you know, not what's, what's I think needs to happen, but, but you know the inside of Bryce. What does Bryce need to hear right now? And then I would just really try to listen and then try to, to share those experiences. And so because of that, there were things I did with Bryce in mentoring that I've never done with anybody else, but I felt like it was important. That's good. That's good. What, uh, let's talk just briefly about college, your college experiences, all the different things that um, you worked through in college as a man and even as an athlete and uh, as you um, were in this discipleship relationship. I'm curious, when it comes to uh, the pressures of performance, the pressures of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, living up to people's expectations, all these different things, what was it, uh, Bryce, first, and then we'll let Chris speak into it, uh, of just like what was it that you learned going through all that being – the quarterback or maybe being third string first and then eventually uh, working your way up. Uh, what was it like and what, what did you learn in um, kind of the p- performance uh, culture that we, we live in? Yeah, so that's a – there's a lot to that question. Yeah, sorry about um, that. There's a, I try to remember all those. So I think the first thing that I want to, that I want to talk about with that is that um, – you have to be able to define success. And, and to me, um, if your definition of success at some point doesn't involve, or doesn't involve God in that definition, then you have a very worldly view of success. Um, for up to, I'm 26 now, so for up to 25 and a half years, my idea of success was a very worldly view of success. It was all about what I did on the football field. And, 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 like, and so I say up until 26, because it really was about a couple months ago that I finally allowed myself to be okay with failure, which is like the hardest thing for me in the world to be okay with. Um, if I were to walk up to you on the street and I played a bad game, uh, you know, the weekend before, the Saturday before, I would walk up to you thinking that you were judging me off of that game, which is is so backwards, right? Um, and so, you know, for you guys walking through the halls at school and, and about to enter this time of life where, you know, you're going to start your career and you're going to start your family and things like that, um, again, I would challenge you to figure out what your idea of success is or what your definition of success is. Um, it's 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 vital for you guys to have God in that definition of success. Um, because if you don't, then it is just, again, it's this internal battle of I'm not good enough. Um, I'm not qualified enough. I can't get this job because 
I'm not good enough. I can't marry this girl because I'm not, you know, whatever. And there, the list will go down to where um, everything that God has um, planned for you, your success in your life, you'll go the other way because you'll let, you know, the enemy come in and doubt everything that God came in to solidify. Um, so that was the first part. Um, the second part being that I was third string, um, for much of my days, I think it was like, it was 1400 and something days between my last start in high school, my first start in college. And, and through that whole time, there was a lot of growing pains of, um, you know, telling, having to tell Chris, you know, I, I, I think I'm good at football. Um, and it started with that. I think I'm good at football. Um, because, like I said, my identity wasn't my identity wasn't football, and it wasn't until Christ. I mean, Christ. It wasn't until Chris. Exactly. Sorry, Lord. I apologize. For that. Uh, but it wasn't until Chris. It was like, dude, football is just what you do. It's not who you are. And so, once I figured that out, there was there was more of a plan to my life. It was like, okay, there's this season that you're not playing is for a reason. Um, and so, then I began kind of began to look at life a different way, that, okay, I'm going to be backup, then I'm going to be the best backup in the country. I'm going to know every play. I'm going to know why we're calling it. I'm going to know this. I'm going to know that. And and it, it kind of gave me a humbling, if that's a word, is that a word, humbling? Mm-hmm. Um, a humbling spirit to the situation that I was in and, and the fact that I didn't have to have success right now, that I knew that um, you know, kind of what we were talking about at dinner, like in Romans, how it talks about my, my present struggles are nothing compared to the future glory that's in Christ Jesus, right? And so the things that I was going through at that time were nothing compared to the future glory um, that's in Christ Jesus. But I don't want you to get that twisted and like, okay, it's going to be, it, this is God's will we're talking about. So the things that, you know, you might have planned, God might have another idea for you. Um, but at the same time, it's going to be so, so, so much better than the struggles that you're going through right now. I remember one of the things I tried to encourage Bryce in was not separating football from God, but making God a part of every single aspect of his life. And, uh, and it finally sank in. I can't remember what game it was, but there was, this, there was this pass that you threw and somebody was running down. What do they do? They run down the sidelines. I, 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 I really have watched like football before. Uh, he's running down the sidelines and this, and this ball just caught the receiver it wasn't the other way around and even the announcer goes it looks like the ball just caught the receiver and then the guy took off and scored a touchdown and and I remember asking you about that afterwards and and what Bryce had done was when he took the snap he prayed out on the field during the game and prayed and said God I need you to do something phenomenal with this ball and then he throws it and it catches the receiver. I think that's phenomenal. From you know, I don't know that that happens all the time. So I felt like at that point we'd gotten to where God wasn't over here and football over here, but but God was everything. And oh yes, sometimes I play football. And I think if I could say something to you guys about where you are in college, that doesn't apply just to when you're playing football. But if if you've got God over here or at school over here, or if you've got God over here. At, and a girlfriend relationship over here, or whatever it is, God has to be a part of everything. There, when I was in college, there was this sort of thought that, well, you need to put Jesus first. Well, the problem is, if you put Jesus first, then that means there are a few things that are second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, on and on, and that means that sometimes Jesus can slip. The reality is, Jesus is first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, 
and along there, there are these other things that you find yourself involved in. So God has to be a part of every aspect of that for you to feel that sense where he is absolutely working through you and you have that peace of knowing that you're in the center of his will, that he is part of every single aspect of your life. There aren't categories. It's God, 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 God through Jesus. And then this is what you do. That makes sense? So that's college, that's life, and then eventually you, you went up from third string, obviously led the Bears to two Big 12 titles. Um, that's because of my cookies. Yes, exactly, cookies. primarily because of the cookies and, uh, and Robert Griffith's leadership. <laughs> um, but uh, so let's just fast forward to, to now uh, in the NFL. Um, let's... let's uh, I want to briefly touch on this, and then I, I truly want to open it up uh, to the dudes and, and just allow these guys to ask you a question. But I know we were just talking about, uh, you know, what the Lord's been teaching you and, and all that you've learned in the real world, the NFL, and married now. Uh, wanted, married? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Somewhere in there he got married at some point. And uh, so just would love for you to share just like current current status, what the Lord's been teaching you, what it looks like to follow Jesus in the NFL, and what that's like. Yeah, so, um, yeah, three years ago we got drafted by the Jets, and um, New York City is wild. Uh, (laughs) It's a lot of fun, but man, at the same time, it's, you know, you can find yourself um, very far from the Lord, um, just because of all the distractions, you know, and, and it's funny because I've, I've grown up in the South, I've always been in the South, and, um, yeah, and so it's funny, but, man, churches are like fast food restaurants around here, you know, like, it, it, it's, it's not hard to find them, and up there, um, you know, besides a synagogue here and there, that's it, you know, and, and so you really have to step out um, to where, almost to the point where you're uncomfortable a little bit, you know. Um, and so, you know, the first couple years, I, I've, not that we backtracked, but I, I would say that, that I got comfortable where I was at, which was, you know, we, we get on the phone every now and then and do a, a Bible study here and there, but I wasn't, I wasn't chasing the Lord. Um, and it wasn't a priority, the whole, every thing that I had was football is one, football is two, football is three, don't tell my wife this, football is four, and, um, and on down the list, but everything was, was football, and there was a tiny part of that that was, you know, God, and so, um, you know, again, I kind of felt myself just in this lull of life of, man, things aren't working out the way they're supposed to be, you know, I had, uh, coming off of my junior year into my senior year, they were talking about first round, you know, that my agent draft day, um, you know, of the first round in, in 2015 was saying you won't be on the on the board past 50. So I was like, man, I'm going to be a top 50 pick. Awesome. Okay, well, then 56 comes and then 68 and then, you know, and on down the list. And, and so, you know, finally on day three, I get drafted in the fourth round, praise Jesus, which is awesome. But at the same time, it wasn't what I had planned, right? It wasn't what I thought was going to happen. And so in a time where you would think, there would be nothing but pure excitement was, again, this point of, okay, I, I wasn't successful. I wasn't a top 50 pick. And so um, there, was, there was disappointment there, um, which is just, it's so sad. Um, 
And so kind of growing through that, again, in, in God's humor and humility, um, is this time where I'm at now to where, um, you know, I don't know if you guys are like this, but you kind of give one hand to God, but then you're holding on to whatever it is, you know, that, that you have in your life pretty close, right? And so for me, it was like, you know, sure, I'll give you, you know, my relationships, I'll give you my friendships, I'll give you, you know, the places where I'm going to go, but at the same time, I'm going to hold football really, really tight and not let you go and get that one, you know? Um, and so up until a couple months ago is when I finally said, okay, God, this is it, man, I'm giving you both hands. Um, I'm trusting in you. My life is yours. Um, do with it what you need. Um, and, and so there's just a, there's such a tremendous amount of joy and peace that comes with that when you have that conversation with God and really, really mean it, not just like, you know, kind of whisper, just kidding, or like, you know, crossing fingers. Um, it, it, when you truly give both hands to God and allow him to control your life and, and to lead your life exactly where it's supposed to be, um, like I said, there's just such a tremendous amount of joy and peace in that. Um, and so huge weight has been lifted the last couple of weeks. One of the things I'll try to stress with Bryce, and I think I would want to stress that with you guys as well, is um, being in the Word and holding on to the Word because when things begin to shift under you, um, there's a constancy to the Word that doesn't change. That's why it was so important for me to have those Bible study times with Bryce to lay foundational truths in his heart that I knew he would need to be able to stand on someday. Um, so I actually started, uh, I just started going through, like first I went through the, the letters in the New Testament. And every time I found a verse that could stand by itself, I would mark it. And then I started sending Bryce a verse of scripture every day. And then when I got done with that year, went to the Old Testament, went through and just found verses that would stand by themselves and I'd send those. And then I just kind of splattered through the whole Bible and found another year's worth of verses and Every day would send him a verse, and, and now that's gone on for, what, five, six years now? And there's like 25, 26 people now that I send a verse of Scripture to every day who then take that verse and send it to somebody else. I thought about this yesterday, Dale. You know, Jesus said, if you drink of living water, you will never thirst again, because that's living water inside of you. But it dawned on me, if you eat of the Word, which is the bread... It doesn't satisfy your hunger. It makes your hunger that much more intense. The more you eat of the word, the more you want to eat of the word. And so it's that foundation that if you can build that in your life right now in college and get some, some of the concepts of the Bible, because that is truth, that's absolute truth, and stand on that, um, that's what takes you through times like what Bryce is talking about and then brings you back to that understanding of the truth so that you know you have the opportunity to surrender back into his hands every single time. Because we all have to do that every five minutes. I mean, let's face it. If we're honest with ourselves, we live in this flesh. God, hey, I need you again. I couldn't draw a breath if it weren't for you. My heart wouldn't beat if you didn't give it permission. And that's the truth of his word. So i got one more thing that we can open up with questions. Um, because it's, it's hard for me to talk uh, and do these things without kind of presenting this, uh, an, not, yeah, I guess analogy, if, if you will. That's a big word. <laughs> that is a big word. I've uh, been hitting the head a lot. Um, but, uh, you know, a couple, a couple years ago, um, I had kind of my first 
um, vision, if you will, and talking, you know, just like this to to, to you, um, that God kind of put this picture in my in my head, and it was uh, again, it was kind of on that on that basis of controlling my life and um, you know having a plan for my life and it being different, and I was I was struggling with that, and so God kind of put this picture in my head that. Um, I was walking through a room, or walking into a room, I guess, and there's a there's a painter in the middle of the room, and on the side of the walls, you can just tell it's just masterpiece after masterpiece. Like, you can tell this dude knows what he's doing, right? And as you get closer, you realize that it's Picasso painting on this canvas. And so as you kind of walk around, um, on the other side of that, uh, then Picasso is basically Jesus. And when I look at the canvas, it's my life. And so the thought that I had with that, uh, or that really that God put in my heart, was that in the same way that, um, you know, Picasso putting strokes on a canvas, why in the world would I try and take that paintbrush from Picasso and try to paint what he's doing? Knowing, one, I'm not near as good as him doing it, but two, um, he has an idea or a picture in his mind of what's supposed to be on that canvas, whether it's working over here, working over here, or finishing up over here. Um, in that same light for you guys and for myself as well, telling myself this too, um, don't take your paintbrush from God. Don't take um, or think that you have your life planned out because I promise you when God is painting on that canvas, your life, it is a masterpiece at the end. But you don't know what that masterpiece is going to look like. So I thought that was a really cool thought. But then I wanted to leave you guys with this before. Again, last thing. Um, desiring and doing his will is not your responsibility to discover. It's his responsibility to reveal. So I just kind of wanted to put that at the end of that. So I hope that made sense. Um, Thanks yeah. for sharing. Yeah. So um, men's night, we got these two wise counselors for us. I, I thought there'd be no better way than to just open it up for questions. Actually, I shouldn't even, I just took, took the, the credit there. Bryce is the one that mentioned at dinner. He's like, bro, we're going to take questions from the dudes. Like that's that we're going to actually get to the bottom of things. Yeah. If we actually open it up. So Bryce's credit, sorry for stealing it just then. It's okay. Will you forgive me? All right. Thank you. Um, so in this time, like we're going to chambers has a microphone right here. If you have a question, just raise your hand and this isn't, uh, yeah, I just invite you to ask anything. Uh, the floor is open. We got one question right here. Uh, I thought I was going to have to talk him into it. That was pretty quick. Yeah. Sweet. That I was going to offer him money. Yeah, that wasn't awkward at all. So uh, here we go. Yeah, I was just wondering how, like, you walk in boldness and confidence, like, in your faith, like, all the time when you're not necessarily, like, the leader on the team and you're not necessarily, like, the top guy. Like, how do you walk in confidence when you're constantly being, like, scrutinized and you're not necessarily, like, the number one? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause that's that's honestly, and you can ask Chris, man. That's what I struggle with the most. That's that's just like, you know, me walking into a locker room and and being reserved because I don't feel like I'm supposed to talk. Um, I really feel like God, when He creates us, He puts that boldness in us, and that's to me and in my, in my personal experience, that's the enemy coming in and, and doubting or giving myself doubt um, of why you can't talk up or why you can't. Uh, live your faith boldly is because you're not good enough or because you're number three or because, you know, whatever the case is. I mean, again, the list is can go on for miles of why you can't. Um, 
God created you to in in boldness say why you can. And so it's again, this has taken me a long time, but this is this is um, it's a great question because it's something that I've struggled with for sure for a long time. Um, but that is the enemy telling you you can't, and I'm here to tell you that God is telling you you can, and it doesn't matter in what situation uh, that you're in, any predicament, you you can live boldly, you can talk. Um, so I hope that you go out tomorrow and rock it. I'd like to add something to that from my perspective because even when Bryce was second, third string, um, there were still guys on the team that we were praying for, and there were uh, situations and circumstances related to football that, uh, like he said, if he was going to be backup, he was going to be the best backup in America. Um, still a desire and, a, and a, to be used of God in the situation, in the circumstance, and, um, and so that's been a consistent part of who Bryce is, and I would imagine a long time before you and I even met, going back to high school, but that's, I think that's the nature of, of who Bryce is. Even if he's not the leader, he's going to find a way to be a leader in another area. Retweet. Thanks. So, yeah, you were talking about, oh, that's loud, your uh, early years when you weren't starting and how that was kind of like a humbling experience and kind of what that taught you. I'd love to hear, like, your years of success at Baylor, like what those taught you. <laughs> nice. Um, that, that is, those are great years. Um, and, that's, and that's what's funny, too, because, you know, a lot of times we always, we have these talks and it's always about failure, you know, and so it is, it is really cool to sit there and talk about the success. Um, and those are the memories, like when you look back, I think that the number one thing that I was taught, um, which is funny because I'm telling myself this, yeah, I know that's why you're laughing, um, is, is really just, is that God has a plan for the struggles that you have. You know, that this, uh, this life, this Christian life that we have, is as soon as you give your life to Christ, doesn't mean things are going to be easy. Um, it's actually probably the exact opposite. You know, as soon as you give your life to Christ, he's like, all right, let's see what you're made of, you know. Um, and it's not a bad thing to get tested. It's, it's him, you know, in, the, in those verses where it talks about... Um, no, you might have to help me out here. Character, perseverance, perseverance, character. Yeah. Um, I'm still working on my, my scripture. But, um, no, I think that, you know, in success, you can look back at your failure and be like, man, that's exactly what God was teaching me. Um, and so that, that is honestly the coolest part about success as well, is that um, a lot of times it's you just kind of have this praising sense uh, about you of being like, Man, God, thank you. Like, this is what all that was for. And it's always ten times better. You know, that's what I've always said, that, you know, my plans, you know, as great as they may seem, uh, first round here or, you know, four-year starter and we win the national, you know, obviously you want those things and it's good. I think God puts dreams in your hearts. I think God puts motivation in your heart. But at the same time, it's still his plan. And it's his plan to glorify his kingdom. And so if we had everything the way that we wanted to, you know, you've seen Bruce Almighty, right? It's just, it's chaos. So there's a perfect plan that God has created um, that has you in it. And so um, the failures make the successes that much sweeter. You know, Bryce has uh, always had a great sense of humor. And I, I, I think God has a great sense of humor. I mean, I look at myself in the mirror in the morning and I go, God, you've got to have a great sense of humor. And, uh, but, <laughs> Dad, Jim, but uh, you know, I can remember, 
I can remember when Bryce was like the big stud and, and you know, uh, we'd be at Cafe Cap having breakfast and some sorority girl would be over there trying to, you know, sneak a photo without him seeing it and he'd catch a glimpse and just look over and go, hey, you want me to come over there so we can get our picture made together and just play it off and, and there's, a, there's a sense of likability about that that I think is is part of who you are and, and the fact that you're able to, to laugh at times when things don't go well, but then also be able to poke a little fun at yourself when things are going well. Because I've laughed at you a ton, so. <laughs> um, this is a question kind of for both of you, but when you're talking about um, like in the men- in mentor- being mentored um, and you're dealing with sin that's kind of deep-rooted and doesn't just go away with one quick scripture, one, you know, word of wisdom. How do you deal with, um, you know, praying and working through, you know, telling Bryce, like, hey, you're not a failure for wrestling with sin. And this isn't, you know, you're not a failure because you're confessing your sin to me. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a great question because we spent a lot of weeks dealing with those very issues. And um, a lot of that I was just really trying to rest in the spirit and let God do his part, but also being very careful that I wasn't communicating a spirit of judgment in any way, shape, or form because I wanted Bryce to always feel like he could be very honest with me about whatever was going on. None of us are perfect. And again, I want to say in the relationship that we had as mentor and mentee, I never set myself up as somebody who, you know, gosh, I don't struggle. I don't have these issues. I... I tried to be as real as possible because I wanted to match that in Bryce. One of the cool things about the depth of our relationship, and I think one of the reasons why we're still in this relationship today, is because there's always been that real sense of honesty, um, sometimes a bone-jarring sense of honesty. But you know, when you, and I was talking to Dale about this, when you take sin out of the dark and put it into the light, it's not nearly as scary as it was in that unknown area of the darkness. And so when you are able to live in community with someone and and know the dark side of them as well and yet be able to say, you know what, God forgives you. Who am I not to forgive you? Let's go on from this. And even if, you know, in our, even in our own lives, if, if, you, if you're walking somewhere and you stumble and fall, you don't just lay there and go, oh gosh, I've stumbled. What am I going to do? You get up and you keep going. And that's the way it is in the Christian walk. And that's when the way it's in our, been in our relationship. Sure, there were times when both of us stumbled, but we still got up and encouraged each other and kept going. And sometimes you have to just, just keep working through those things. We did study after study after study. Crazy illustrations. I mean, I just, I, I just was like, okay, I'm going to try this and see if it works. But anything I could do to communicate to Bryce that forgiveness is real when God cleans us, he cleans us. He doesn't just polish us up a little bit. He makes us completely new and clean. When we ask him for forgiveness, that's his part. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And when God makes you clean, he makes you clean. And we worked on that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a super uh, Good question and great answer, too. I mean, there's not a whole lot to add. I, I would say as far as being the one on this side that is like, man, Chris, I messed up again. You know, the, the sin that, that we keep praying about, I, I keep doing. Um, I would just kind of reiterate what, what Chris said is, is the fact that until you understand that God died for you, 
Jesus died for you, I'm sorry, that you're never going to be able to, to conquer that sin. That, that sin, that guilt, that's the enemy. That's the enemy, again, telling you that you're not good enough to overcome that sin. Um, and so we, we struggle with that for, I'm, yeah, a long, long time because that guilt was just, that was what was deep-rooted in me, that I was this, uh, this guy walking the street that I, I always told Chris, I said, man, if you really knew me, you wouldn't think I'd be this cool, you know, or, or this Christ-like. And so, um, again, man, that's just the enemy tearing you up. And so uh, it's one of those things that you kind of have to, it comes with time, right? And it comes with being in the Word um, because that is your only offensive weapon, you know, that he gives you, uh, you know, in the armor of God, right? Um, that sword or that word is, is how you attack that um, and that what gives you the ability to, to, to look at in the mirror and be okay with knowing that, man, I'm going to mess up. This, if we didn't mess up, we wouldn't have these talks, right? I mean, we're, nothing that, you've, that you're doing or have done, I haven't done, you know. Um, and so it's because of Christ, it's because of his love for us that he died for us um, and took that sin from us to where we don't have to have living guilt. I have a, I have a mantra. Um, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation is from the enemy because Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're experiencing condemnation for sin, then you know it's the enemy trying to make you feel guilty. And what do you experience when you have condemnation? You look down, you look in, you feel defeated. But God offers us conviction because conviction says, okay, this needs to change because of my love relationship with God Almighty. And conviction causes us to look up to God and to our need for him. So if you experience condemnation, you know that's not from God. If you experience conviction, you know that God's working on you and you're okay. Does that make sense? Thank you, guys. This is, we got to wrap up. I didn't realize that was going to be the last question, but it was the last question. So, men, can we thank Chris and Bryce for being with us here tonight?